Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, TNMP episode 60. Hoping you guys are enjoying your week. As always, my friends, ask me any question you guys have on IG, as well as if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. I would love if you could leave a little bit of a review there. It really does help the show and, you know, it helps with the algorithm and things like that. So, you know, we here at New Money, we mean business. We want to get out there, help the algorithm out. So just leave a review down below. Now, guys, you know I'm always talking about planning and investing in yourselves and in your future. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, you know how important investing is, right? Or you've heard somebody say that it's important, at least, right? And and we're big fans here of the stock market and what it can do for you. However, I can talk all day long until I'm blue in the face about you know how important it is and whatever. But without you guys taking action, you can't build that future for yourself. You guys have to take that action today. And I promise you that Wealth Simple Trade and Wealth Simple Invest are two of the best platforms out there to help you guys take that first step forward to building your future self. The interface and navigation are incredible. It's so easy to use. You're not going to be stressed out when you download it. It's going to be just it's just going to make sense when you download it. Just follow the instructions and it's just really really smooth. Wealth Simple Trade is a commission-free platform where you can buy stocks and ETFs free of charge. Wealth Simple Invest is a robo advisor where they do all the work for you. You just have to put the money in. So guys, please check out the show notes for links to get started with either one. I really believe in these platforms. I think they can really help you guys out and take your wealth to the next level. So when you guys sign up for Wealth Simple Trade, you actually get 10 bucks towards your first investment. And when you sign up for Wealth Simple Invest, you get 50 bucks towards your first investment. Now, you know, the 10 bucks is if you put a minimum of 100 and with Wealth Simple Invest, it's a minimum of 500. So, basically 10% of your first initial deposit uh, you get, which is a really great offer. Also, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Grit Labs, which is a group fitness bootcamp style training in Burlington, Ontario. Energy, intensity, 10 out of 10. I absolutely love it there. I've been talking about it on Instagram and social media. Um, you know, I'm it kicks my ass day in and day out um, and it's the best kind of ass kicking you'll ever get and I really really do believe in these guys so uh, you know you can book a free trial with them on gritlabs.ca g-r-i-t-l-a-b-s.ca or you can just check my show notes for the link okay so for today I have a nice little interview with my boy Riley um, big real estate guy and he's really building up a business in that sense but he also uh, has ran his own uh, trades business uh, for the past few years as well and it was just like so sick to learn about how he sort of pivoted from you know being an employee to running his own business and now investing in real estate and helping others uh, invest as well so it's super dope interview I learned a ton from chatting with him but without further ado let's just dive on into it baby Riley, how's it going, man? I am doing well, Nathan. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, how's uh, how's life, bro? Like, I mean, I, that's the first thing I want to ask. I, I've been asking everybody really th this whole year. Um, how are you keeping up with everything, man? Uh, life is going well. I think it's it really boils down to just your kind of attitude and how you know people's personalities are certain certainly shining and being more more magnified during all this craziness. So I uh, yeah, just trying to keep a smile on my face and just you know wake up every day and and just attack it. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, I guess again, just being positive and smiling. That's, yeah. that's how I'm doing. So that, that, that's <laughs> there, great, there's man. tons to be, you know, focused on in terms of negativity and just the craziness that's out there right now. So, mm. um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like having that, um, you know, positivity come through that, uh, it, it just, 
helps you get through the day. And I mean, like you, I try to stay away from the news myself. Like I, you know, there's just, I feel like it's been a lot calmer for, you know, everybody can, you know, reason why that is after the election, the United States election, but it's still been pretty crazy. Um, so, you know, I, I'm glad that, you know, you're, you're very positive and, um, you're looking forward just like we all should be. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to have you on the show, uh, you know, talk about real estate and stuff like that. But first, like, let's just, uh, chat about you and, and your, where you come from and, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Yeah, no, I, um, uh, yeah, I guess background, like, I don't know how far back yet. You want me to dig I into, mean, but you know, like I'm from let's... here. Yeah, it's school, <laughs> sure. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, born, born in a pretty rural place in Nova Scotia. Um, and, uh, it was actually called a settlement. So it, uh, yeah, very rural. Uh, you kind of think of like horse and buggy when you think of settlements. So there was, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a thousand people or something in the settlement. And then there's a nearby town 20 minutes away and has a few more thousand people. And then Halifax would be the larger city, obviously. So, um, yeah, basically rural Nova Scotia grew up, um, just kind of, you know, playing in the woods, like driving ATVs, like kind of had a good outdoors life. Um, and anyway, so only child and, and kind of just played with myself a lot. And um, in terms of just like, you know, uh, making mud pies or whatever it was outdoors yeah. or making tree forts and that sort of thing, driving, driving uh, ATVs and just having a blast outside. So um, then, yeah, I basically kind of got involved with the track and field and ran competitive track for probably handy 10 years or something. Um, came to university because of track and field. Um, there was like a recruiting trip that my track coach had brought me on and in, in terms of coming to Ontario. And that's what kind of popped my shell in terms of like the, the space that I had grown up being Nova Scotia. And I kind of was more exposed to like life in the big city and what that could look like. And Toronto just scared the show to me. So I was like, not going to Toronto at all. Yeah. Um, coming from like, you know, again, like a few hundred people or whatever, where I grew up, I'm like, this is just insane. Um, probably like Tokyo feeling for a lot of people. Right. Right. Um, for that, that live in Toronto at least. And, and then I went to Western university and, uh, and it was just like a nice kind of university culture. Um, it wasn't like the, the city was your campus. It was like, it actually had its own kind of, kind of campus. Um, that was kind of like, you know, uh, very, very close. And, um, the student life there was like pretty sweet. So I had a great time during my undergrad, took kinesiology and, and some business as well ran track and field there for a few years. And in my undergrad, I actually realized that I'm going to be so, so in debt by the end of this university experience. I, uh, I didn't have a ton of help in terms of paying for tuition. So I, I did take it on as like, you know, a big task of mine to definitely pay off tuition as soon as I could. I didn't want to be 35 still paying off tuition and, and the interest that comes along with that. Obviously, this is the new money pod. So um, lots yeah. of interest if you're going to university and you're going to be paying you know, for, for some of that tuition for a long period of time, I recommend you pay it off as soon as you can. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of after first year and doing a ton of partying, I feel like a lot of, you know, first years kind of end up doing that. Um, definitely in debt, had a lot of debt, wasn't making much money during my summer job, maybe like you know, 18, 19 bucks an hour. And yeah, so then, then, then I kind of ran into this opportunity um, to run my own business. And it was like a whole maintenance business. I decided to like knock on all the houses I possibly could in the city of London where I went to school. And mm -hmm. so I did that for, for geez, like three years. And the first year was really just me and like one or two other people. And we were just cleaning windows and doing pressure washing, really whatever we could get our hands on mm -hmm. to, to pay, um, to pay off tuition ourselves. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that went really, really well. And then the second year we kind of like doubled 
the third year we almost like tripled it. And by, by, yeah, like the fourth year we had like 12, 12 students working for us. Yeah. So then that actually helped me to pay off tuition before I graduated and to buy an income property and kind of led me into real estate investing. And that's what I'm doing now. So that's, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. So I have like a million questions. So tell me a little bit about your business. And I mean, kind of just going in depth on how, how you grew it, how you scaled it and, um, sort of how, how it evolved. I, I know you talked about like you, you were banging on doors, like grinding out there. Did that evolve into different ways that you marketed and, and found leads and things like that? Kind of just take me through how uh, the business model evolved. At the beginning, it was actually basically run off of a painting system, which kind of sounds hilarious, but, um, the business actually was spudded off of like a painting business that mm. uh, was run and, uh, we, we quickly realized that it wasn't going to work that well. So it totally evolved over the first like year to two years. Um, and so yeah, at the very beginning, we were doing everything extremely detailed, uh, meaning that like, you know, when you're trying to sell a 10, 20, $30,000 painting project, you're going to be extremely detailed in terms of, you know, the, the customer selling process, you're going to take probably two, three hours to go through that selling process with them to sell a project. And you're going to have maybe two or three phone calls and go back and forth. And so that's what we were trying to do with these clients that were just buying like a $500 window cleaning project. Yeah. Um, they didn't, they just wanted to, they could clean their own windows. They didn't have to outsource it, but they just basically wanted it quick and done. And it was easy. And, uh, and we were just elaborating the sales process way too much. So we evolved yeah. the process to be just quick, right? Like we were trying to do estimates on the spot. So if we were knocking on houses rather than, getting their information, going home, calling them maybe the next day to set up another appointment to go by to take a full hour of their time to do an estimate, to then book it, to then come back later and do it. We were right. just like booking estimates on the spot, um, like doing them and then closing the project on the spot and doing the work like within the hour. And mm -hmm. so that actually helped a lot because homeowners then were like, you're here now, you're going to clean my windows within the hour. Like this is a no brainer. Like there's not a whole lot else to do like in terms of back and forth and the delay between um you being here and then you actually doing the work so people love efficiency they love just like um purchases that are like instant it's like instant gratification i'm paying for it now these the services here now and they don't have to wait like you know another three or four months before the services is given to them so that was like the biggest change i think we had made was was just like understanding our client understanding our customer and just changing the process to be more accommodating to what they wanted. Right. A hundred percent. So why did you want to get into real estate then? Was it, um, you just felt like the business had it, like it expanded as much as it could. Um, or are you still doing both or kind of just walk me through, um, that transition? Well, yeah, I guess the main reason again, that I, I started to run the, the whole maintenance business was understanding that there was a big, a big difference between, what the market was valuing my time at, or really what I was even valuing my time at yeah. when I worked at like, you know, I worked at Sobeys for a few years and then I worked at a tire factory like Michelin and they, they, when you go in there and you're working for them, they're going to give you a certain valuation to your time. They're going to say you're worth this or you're worth this an hour. Mm -hmm. And I hated that. I hated the fact that like, if I worked harder than my peers at these other positions, I'd be paid, you know, uh, the same amount, maybe even less. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, I kind of understood that, Hey, if I start my own business, I'm actually paid based off of business profit. And, and I love that idea. I wanted to do that. And, and so that's what kind of led me into running my own business. Um, 
And so I, I then realized that, hey, now I have these workers working for me. And that's where the big shift, I think, happened was like, it, you know, I, I have a business. Rather than me doing the work, I can leverage things. I can get other people to do it. And now there's a big, say, separation between my time equaling a certain amount per hour. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's leveraged. It's totally passive. They go, they do the window cleaning work or the home maintenance work. And then I get paid afterwards. So you're kind of making money while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess the transition into real estate was what what could create more of a separation between my time equaling a certain amount of money per hour, or what could create um, more passivity in terms of income? Right. And it's buying businesses. It's like if you're a venture capitalist, I think you're kind of at the pinnacle of of uh of passivity it's like you're almost private <laughs> lending i think that's the total outcome for me when i'm like 80 years old it's just private lending it's you know um just rate like seven yeah like literally oh uh, no <laughs> yeah. yeah that and so buying businesses um was what i wanted to do i wanted to get into venture capitalism you know be a venture capitalist and and yeah i don't have the type of money to just go and invest in a ton of businesses <laughs> and fun. and at the same time it's so much more complicated right because yeah. then you have to kind of, I think, be niche enough that you understand how to analyze like tech businesses, or you need to be niche enough to understand whatever type of business you want to go and buy or invest in. Sorry, um, yeah. and and real estate was like so cookie cutter. It was like there's all these defined systems and processes that you don't have to recreate. The wheel is already created for you in terms of like how to analyze properties, how to do property right. management, how to do renovations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I saw it as like a great stepping stone to become a venture capitalist in the future because you're learning the basics of how to analyze these properties, which ultimately are businesses, like they really are. And once you figure out how to analyze these businesses, you can then in the future use similar systems to analyze you know, your technology businesses, or I want to do renewable energy. I want to loan money to renewable energy businesses, mm-hmm. be part of like the sustainability um, you know, upswing that I think we need need on the planet so absolutely yeah no and that's that's great man and i personally like plan i i hope to um get a house within the year and and do a house hack and you know renovate it and like my like i what i want to kind of do is is like house hack and then burr it and like all that kind of stuff um so you know it's so interesting to hear you talk about this so i guess take me through first of all I, you know tell the audience how old you are so they they get a grasp of this because for most people you know they're buying late 20s early 30s right um and the thought of buying a house is just so foreign to a lot of people so kind of walk us through that how you kind of like structured that first deal um that a lot of people here are kind of like whoa like a little you know it's it's the hardest one right uh so kind of just walk us through that and then kind of uh walk us through how like you evolve from that as well yeah i i think your age is just kind of ends up boiling down to being irrelevant at the end of the day yeah, no 100 it's, it's yeah for sure just experience like get out there and just put in the work however you can to get started uh for me like i was considered my first deal being the deal that got my foot in the door to even tap into some of this knowledge and get into more advanced rooms with more experienced investors. And for me, it was just like working with someone that I knew that was in property management mm-hmm. and understanding how to manage properties. And um, yeah, that was really a good foot in the door. He had managed over, I think a hundred units or so now between Cernia and London. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of getting that opportunity was, was really, really big for me uh, in terms of allowing me um, to understand all the ins and the outs of how to do property management, but also like how to buy properties um, 
without my own money. And so that kind of leads into my first deal, which was, I guess, technically buying a, a property with someone that was way more experienced than I was. And he actually qualified for the mortgage and I put down the down payment. So I saved up, you know, like a whole whopping 50, 50 grand, which was like every saving, every penny I think I had at the time. And yeah. it's like, oh my God, here we go. Like, you know, uh, we're going to go buy this thing. So it was a, a single family property, three beds, two or uh, three beds, two baths. Uh, we did a full renovation to it. Where was and, it? Um, it's in Sarnia. Sarnia, okay. Yeah, in Sarnia. And and so he put down the the mortgage again. I put down the down payment and the closing costs. And we ended up doing a partnership deal. Um, and the reason why I wanted to do that rather than qualifying for my own mortgage was to be actually a part of um, like, you know, a, running a business with someone that's way more experienced than I was. It was, again, that opportunity to get more experience and I really did my best at the very beginning, the first like two, three years to just chase the learning and not necessarily the money. And I think it's very easy in real estate and, and I'm still accountable to doing this myself, you know, once in a while to just change, uh, like chase the dollar signs, like that active income. Um, but there's really no qu get rich quick schemes like out there. You can't really, in real estate, you can't just get money really, really quickly. Uh, I'm sure some people luck out and they do it, but it's really tough. It's a long-term game. And so, yeah, for me, again, it was, it was doing that joint partnership with someone that could give me a ton of knowledge and, and learning. And he did, he, he taught me how to run the business um, and how it operated and, and whatnot. Um, and then it obviously transpired into me in the future, kind of being that, that men, mentor to the mentee that would be bringing in the down payment or bringing in the mortgage and we partner up and, and do a project together. Right. Um, yeah. So is that currently like your your business model for how you you structure your deals you you bring somebody on and you kind of just structure partnerships or do you have um some properties in your portfolio that are just just that you own that you just take care of as like an aside or you know yeah like i, I find it really fulfilling to uh to see people buy their first one like i remember the the feeling that i had uh going in and again putting kind of all my eggs in one basket in terms of my savings and, and going and actually like picking up the keys and holding the keys to this property and just, you know, kind of, I lit up and, uh, and now to see other people kind of do that too. And, and experience that first one again with them, um, is really, really awesome. So yeah. that's what my business model is. And I do it just because it kind of checks a lot of boxes for me mm -hmm. and it makes me really happy to just see them kind of light up because I think more experienced people. And I, again, I've been in rooms with like people that have 50 properties, they have a thousand, they have just a ton and. I think they kind of lose that ecstasy feeling of like buying their first property. Yeah. Um, it just seems like that anyway. It's kind of like they're numb to it. That sensation yeah. of like, it's so cool. It really is. You know, like, I don't know what the percentage is of the amount of people that own rental properties in Canada, but I, last time I checked, I think it's around like 6% or something of Canadians actually own an, an income property. Cause usually you have your primary residence and then a second one. Um, so yeah, it's obviously um, something that's pretty cool to even go and do it. And, and to, to be a part of someone buying that, that first one is pretty big deal. So that's my business model right now is just to help people buy the first one. And it's kind of what I'm branded as, yeah. um, as well. So what people know me as. Yeah. Right. And, and that's for people who want to buy their first income property, right? Or is it just in general too? Yeah. They, and they don't necessarily even have to own a primary residence yet. Um, the couple that I just bought a property with in, in London, they qualified for the first time, um, first time home buyers. So they put 10% down 
and they're doing house hacking. So they're living in one unit and renting out the other two units and their mortgage is totally paid off. And the property is cash flowing like pretty much a thousand dollars a month is what it mm-hmm. boils down to, um, which is pretty incredible, right? So we were able to find that property. It took a few months, but uh, we're working together now on making sure it runs well and they're they're getting to actually live in it, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and that's always what I recommend for people if they haven't bought a property yet and they're like maybe late teens in their twenties or something, uh, they have the ability to actually go and maybe live a little rougher, you know, have some tenants that live in the building at least with them. Um, you don't maybe have a family yet, or you don't, you know, have a ton going on and you don't have a ton of other commitments. Maybe you can live in a two, three, four, five unit building and, uh, and live for free. I think that, uh, that host hacking strategy is super, super key. Um, people need to kind of have control of their personal finance, and in terms of like th- their living situation, um, before they can go off and um, have more control of like everything else, right? I think they need to really have control of their their rent. Um, for the first few years of like renting at university, paid so much money in rent. It kind of yeah. made me sick to my stomach when I realized how much. Yeah. And if, if I would have known beforehand, and maybe if I would have had the savings too, I would have went out and bought an income property after first year of university mm-hmm. and um, saved a ton in rent, right? I'd rather put that money into my own pocket than someone else's. Right. And a hundred percent. And, and, you know, renting versus buying, I mean, that's, that's a whole discussion in itself, but definitely if, if you're doing it for, if you can create an income property or live within and, you know, rent out by the room or by the unit, whatever, I mean, you know, you should, it, but kind of uh, segueing off that, you know, some people that are listening to this podcast, they might um, live in, you know, a GTA area, or they might live in a high, um, you know, where real high value area where real estate's really expensive. Um, you know, what do you what, what's your, you know, recommendation? What's your advice for people who live in a in a, a very highly priced market? Certainly. So yeah, we actually just did a, a project with um, someone that lives in Toronto. And he is currently renting actually in Toronto. And obviously rent in Toronto is pretty expensive. Um, though we were able to buy yeah, a triplex for him. So we're working together on that triplex. He put down the down payment. Um, and so the, the cash flow that's coming off of that property actually covers his rent in Toronto. So that's mm. that's another way to do it as well, um, is go out and buy a property maybe in a more secondary market with like a you know population maybe below, say, say 700,000 or so. And, and you can go and maybe buy a property for cheaper, uh, you know, cause maybe you couldn't, maybe you couldn't have qualified for a property in Toronto. Cause you know, what's the average home price there? Like 1.2 now or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you're like 20, 25, like you're making 50 grand a year, um, there's no way you can qualify for a million dollar, you know, mortgage. Yeah. Um, but you could, you could qualify for 300 to maybe 500, which is what usually the people that I'm working with, uh, can qualify for. And so that usually works for a duplex or triplex in a place like London or Cernia and, uh, and allows it again to cash flow to pay your rent in, in a larger city like Toronto. So, right. So I'm just curious, how do you, how do you structure the, the partnership in terms of like, are you carrying the mortgage yourself or like, how are you like, I'm just like, take me through like the sort of percentages. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, are you, is it a vendor take back? Like, I'm, I'm just kind of like trying to understand what exactly it is. Sure. So it technically like the term is called a joint venture. Um, and so you're, you're kind of like doing a joint venture, like a co-venture with another party. 
Um, so a joint venture is used all across businesses. Like it could be used in, in, uh, in, you know, buying a restaurant or something. We could co-venture and go co-own a Boston pizza or any type of business. Um, so you can do that with real estate too. And it could be as many parties as you wanted. Like we could have 10 people that co-own one property. Usually that type of structure is used where like maybe have five or 10 people that co-own a property. When you're looking at buying like an apartment building of like 50 units or hundred units, that's how people take it down. Uh, I'd watch that one. Yeah. I'd want like, you have to be, yeah, you have to go through certain hoops to kind of be a syndicate, but certainly it could be. Um, but there's, there's different ways to structure to take down like a larger building, like an apartment building. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess what I'm doing is like a smaller scale. We partner up and we buy multifamily properties that are still residential. Um, so between two to four units is what we're looking at. And again, they're usually between 300 to 500,000. So we have like everything pretty much dialed in and systemized. So all of the people that are there knocking on houses and sending out flyers, they know what we're looking for. So we usually get those types of properties, um, some on market, some off market. Right. And, and, and so that's kind of the value that I'm adding is like finding the property that does make sense, analyzing the property, um, and then actually doing any renovations. So uh, our team would be managing the renovation making sure that that's kind of minimal and we're paying like really high expensive like companies that you, if you search on Google, here's a rule of thumb to find like a contractor and they're like one of the top two or three, you're going to be paying for like an A plus plus contractor, but they're also going to be A plus plus prices and it's going to be extremely expensive. Um, we have like this kind of contractor list to do the renovation that, you know, it isn't like super expensive, but they also do really quality work. Um, and so that's something that else that we'd be managing. And then we also manage the re-renting of the property. So finding a really good tenant and putting them in there. Uh, we only rent to like A plus tenants so that they're usually working professionals. Um, so that would be some working 40 plus hours a week. Um, they have bigger goals usually. It's like their last stop is renting right before they go to buy a home. Mm -hmm. um, like this would be their last rental. That's usually who we're looking for or their masters or PhD students. Uh, usually we, we stay. 10, 10 away from like undergrads because they're usually <laughs> learning a bit more how to learn or how to live and yeah. um yeah tend to kind of leave the place in rougher shape <laughs> than what it was found in, in yeah. the to be honest so yeah so that's what we'll do and then we'll also manage the property long term so that the bookkeeping the administration of it um so that's what i guess my active partner role is and so i i'd be taking a 50 percent cut of the cash flow to, mm -hmm. to help kind of pay for everything and to obviously hopefully give myself some money too um, and then also 50% of the profit once the property is sold. Mm. Um, and, and so the other partners just consider the passive partner or the money partner. So really all they put in is the, the mortgage and the down payment. Um, mm. Sometimes the renovation costs would be split 50, 50. So myself, and then they would be also contributing to the renovation cost, depending on the opportunity. We may uh, do one or the other. Sometimes I'll cover the whole thing, or sometimes they would, or we'd split it. Um, and so, yeah, then basically, again, when we sell the property, whatever down payment they put in, uh, they would be entitled to that first. So they'd get that money back completely right out, out of the way. And then we'd split whatever's remaining uh, for profit. And that's just the traditional way of doing it. Like I, uh, mm. you don't find very many joint ventures that are kind of in that two to four unit space that are outside of 50-50. Um, yeah. It's just, it's challenging. And especially if you have two active partners, like it's just not going to work if they're both doing property management because it's really tough to cut the line down in the middle and say you were accountable to this or you were accountable to that action uh, when two parties are kind of like trying to both do it. So mm -hmm. it needs to be very black and white is 
what I've realized. And one party needs to be passive pretty much. And one party needs to be the active. Right. Um, yeah. And so with the partnerships, um, are some that are some of your deals, are they in, are they people living within, um, the actual unit you're buying or like, like what would you say the percentage of people that actually are moving into the, um, property that you guys are buying? It's rare. Yeah. It's certainly rare. Yeah. Um, we would say, I'd say maybe like 25%, like a quarter of them. Um, most people just want to give you the money and get the return, right? Yeah. Like a lot of them are like maybe, uh, you know, they're, they've already bought in two or three properties right. and, and they're, they're just looking for passive returns. Um, I don't just work with people that have just bought in their first, but usually that's, that's who's attracted to me based on my age and how, how my, how the branding works. But, um, yeah, like I think a lot of those people, they, they live in their primary residence, they've already bought in property, so they can't put down 10% usually. Um, maybe they've already used up all their, their 10% or 5% insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they, they put down 20% and then at the very end of a five year term, which is pretty standard for what we do in our partnerships, they get their money back. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly like if people are looking to do host hacking and, and, you know, they make sense for the partnership and they could live in it and be owner occupied, like usually we can, um, have them be 10%, um, into the property for the down payment or even 5%. So we have some pretty cool mortgage brokers that we can work with to get you lower percentages um, based on your situation. And uh, and so that, that's what I did with this you know, single family in Sarnia. I put down the 10%. Um, yeah. What's the hardest part about real estate? I mean, if you if you were to say, you know, if somebody's listening to this, they think it's glitz and glam. I mean, what's what's the toughest um, stuff? What are you signing up for when you when you get into a property? Yeah, real estate ends up being, I think the biggest challenge with, with real estate is there's so many advertisements. If you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram or YouTube, there's so many that just kind of, like you said, the glam or whatever, or it get rich quick. Um, and I'm sure you've spoken about this on your podcast before, um, like the get rich quick schemes and whatnot. I think real estate tends to almost get a bad rep in that regard, that you, you can go and you can buy a property for cheap and then you can sell it. And you can make the spread and you make quick money or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not easy at all. Um, I've tried to do it. It's actually, it's a long, a long haul. Um, and it takes yeah, a year or two, three years to try to build it up. Um, so for me, I'm a big, a big picture guy and I lack patience at times and I'm aware of that and I do my best to not. And in real estate, it's certainly a long-term game. There's no get rich quick. Um, like, you know, I, I recommend you take a year, even two years and you go kind of full immersion before you even get started. Um, whether that's with a coach or a mentor, um, someone that's already in the industry and, uh, and really understand it, really understand how it operates like the business. Um, and yeah, once that kind of foundation's laid and you're well-educated, then you can kind of start playing the game. It's like learning the game of monopoly. Like you need yeah. to learn the rules first. It's just that the rule, the rule book for, for this game is a bit longer than, the two pages that's probably in the monopoly game so uh yeah certainly take the time get really educated don't just stick to youtube videos and reading books i think you need to talk to people that are actually in it because the rules of the game are actually always changing and that's what makes it a bit more challenging um the devils are really in the details right so i, I think again yeah my, my my biggest challenge is what was and is the patience like the education phase for me was tough uh to go through and just like I wanted to buy a property. I was so eager. I just wanted yeah. to buy something right in the first month. And I'm like, everyone else is doing this. Why can't I? Um, yeah. And I had to be patient to just 
understand um, as much as I could about how how it all worked and how the business operated. And once I got I got all that knowledge, then it was actually pulling trigger and buying something. And now it's just being patient. Now it's waiting for opportunities. Sometimes an opportunity will come on the market and maybe it checks three out of the four boxes, but that last box is there for a reason. And I, I can't just push it through the pipe and just, okay, we're going to do it anyway, type of attitude because it's going to backfire. Um, and so, yeah, some, this market's really hot right now. It's intense. It's tough to find properties. And I think it's really a matter of just being patient and waiting for that, that, that really good one that makes a lot of sense and checks all your boxes. Um, yeah. Anyone can go, anyone can go out and buy an income property. They really could. Yeah. It's not, you know, Hey, if you have the, the money and you, you can qualify for the mortgage, you can go out and do it, but it's actually like making sure that you're an intelligent investor and you know, it, it's, um, it, it's going out and actually buying something that makes sense. And sometimes people buy properties and they don't even have boxes to check. It's like, Oh yeah, this thing looks good. Let's go buy it. Um, but you need to at least have certain numbers that you're looking at to qualify a property to, to, um, to have it. Yeah. Hit, hit your standards and reach the expectations that you're, that you have. So you wouldn't recommend this for somebody to do as a hobby. You'd say that this is, this is a business, right? I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't believe that it could be a hobby. Um, yeah. yeah like if, if it's a hobby, like I, I think if you're tr- like hobbies could also be fun though, you know, like I have some hobbies that they don't make me money, but they're fun. And, and Hey, if you're going to put in two, three hours a week to your hobby um, and it's real estate investing, you better be like a private lender. I think, um, I think you need to have money saved up and you're investing that into a property. I think if you're a money partner, it's okay. You can go and you can, you can trust someone and put your money into a property and invest in the market without actually being active. But from my kind of perspective and my stance, like I'm 60 to 80 hours a week and, and I still feel like it's not enough time. Right. So it's, it's certainly, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't really end up being a hobby when you're the active partner. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, how has twenty twenty adjusted? Like, first of all, did you did you start your business this year? Um, no. So it was uh, it was actually last year, middle of last year, when we got started. So it's still pretty new. Like, I um, I'm not like a, an expert or a master at this stuff by any means, but I certainly yeah did my education. And it's been about a year and a half now of actually operating the investing business. And, and so how um, I've been is, doing coaching is, now for a little while too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, sorry. <laughs> how, like, so how has, I mean, this year, like how have you stayed above water? How have you thrived? Kind of walk me through that adjustment. Cause I'm sure in a new business as any business, it's, it's been a very challenging year. Yeah. I, I think just going back to the beginning of the podcast, when I mentioned like being positive and just having a smile on your face, I, uh, just not letting things affect you. I think that are, that are negative. And it's like, it's just seeing it as a hurdle. Um, I certainly have just kind of gone on this year as, as any year. Um, you just got to stay more safe. I think you have to wear a mask. Um, you know, challenges are happening for sure in the economy. And I think they're going to continue to, um, for quite some time after the pandemic. But, um, right now it's, it's certainly just, being positive and, and kind of going out every day and just searching for more opportunities. Um, the real estate market, weirdly enough, um, has been thriving. So people that are in the industry are just, they're so busy. Like I spoke to a mortgage broker earlier today and he's like, man, like I've been sleeping four hours a night or five hours a night. Cause it's just, 
it, it's it's like you know um, yielding time. Like you're a farmer and the crops grow, uh, the crop has grown, and now you're just going out and you're yielding. Um, and that's just the kind of stage of the market that we're in right now. Um, and soon enough, the market will potentially be coming down. And at which point that's where a lot more of different opportunities will be, will be arising. Right. Um, so yeah, like a lot, a lot of opportunities will be coming when the market's coming down. That's when you can pick up a property for maybe 50 cents on the dollar. Um, and so it, it, you know, depending on the type of market that we're in, I think the opportunities will be different. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't really shift your mindset or your attitude towards what, what your life is, what your business is, whatever. It, 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 it's so crazy. Um, and, and I honestly like commend, um, you know, business owners, uh, real estate investors, people who are just in this, um, trying to navigate and, and closing on deals and, and thriving. I mean, I've, I've listened to a few, uh, bigger pockets podcasts where people started this year and, and they're just crushing it and they're just, they, you know, it's, it's so inspiring to see people, you know, the resilience of people, I guess my last sort of question for you, Riley, man, is what's the one thing that sets people apart um, from being successful versus not? If, if you were to say that there is one sort of trait or one sort of thing that uh, is the differentiator, what would you say? It gets a little cliche, but cliches are there for a reason. And uh, I believe, yeah, the biggest differentiator between someone that's going to maybe hit their goals and their outcomes and what they want to do with the vehicle of real estate investing and the ones that don't is, is again, that, that keyword of patience. It's, it's going and every day, just putting in a bit more time, a bit more energy and, um, and also being smart about that time that you're investing. It isn't just working hard, but it's also working smart. They're both needed. And, uh, and the working smart part, I think ends up being like, go and find a mentor, go and find someone that has done it before. Um, I always kind of use the analogy of like, you're at the airport and you're walking, um, you're walking between gates and you know, those kind of like treadmill type things that you can walk on that are like a fast track that ends up being what it's like to work with a mentor or a coach. Like it isn't like you're working any harder than the people walking beside you that aren't on this little treadmill thing at the airport, but it, it, you're like going twice as fast as them. You, it, you feel like Usain Bolt, you know, you're just blasting by because yeah. you just chose the path that was a little bit smarter. Um, and so there's more, it's more efficient, it's more effective. And I think that's the biggest key. Um, I see people that are beating their heads against, you know, um, their laptop every day because they're just like struggling to figure out what the answer is to something when they could just pick up the phone and you could call someone that has done it before um, rather than just trying to be stubborn and figure it out themselves. So mm -hmm. um, I think that that's certainly the key is, is the patience and also just obviously working smart. So figuring out who has done what you want to do and then going to find them. And, uh, and somehow giving them value so that they can obviously see the benefit in them for themselves too, to help you. hundred percent. Yeah. Adding, adding value is, is, is everything. Um, but man, Riley, that's, that's all I have for you. And what, what an episode. I mean, I feel like I've learned so much just, just chatting with you and, and learning about, um, you know, your model and, and, you know, more about real estate and, uh, you know, just getting into the weeds on that stuff. Like I, I could talk about this stuff all day. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Where can they reach out to you? Kind of just, uh, share that really quick. Sure. Um, yeah, usually easiest if you reach out on Facebook or Instagram, I'm a pretty active guy on social media. Um, so both my pages are Riley Oikel. So my first, my last name and then investor. Um, you can also go to my website too, to just learn more about a bit about the business and what we're doing here. Um, that is at RileyOikel.com. 
and uh, and on the website you can fill it like an, an application or a form to, to set up a call. Awesome, awesome, and I'll keep that all in the show notes for you guys to check out. Uh, Riley, you have anything else you want to say, quick? No, thanks for having me on, brother. This was a blast. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the interview. Riley is a really cool guy, really down to earth guy and and really, you know, just took the jargon out of it and really helped us understand, you know, what real estate is and, and know how you can get started looking into, you know, out of uh, out of town deals and things like that. So uh, it was a really, really informative interview. Again, guys, let's take that action today. Let's start building our futures and investing for the long term. I really believe that Wealthsimple will help you guys achieve your goals in an easy and effective way. When you sign up with Wealthsimple Trade, you'll get $10 towards your first deposit of $100. And with Wealthsimple Invest, you'll get $50 towards your first $500 funding. So really cool offers there. And again, really awesome stuff all around with the platform. So check it out. Again, I'll leave it in my show notes below. But that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so, so much. Really appreciate y'all. I love y'all. But for now, I'm out this mother. Peace.